Welcome to Courtside Moms. I'm Wendy Sparks. And I'm Stephanie Folahan. Today, we have the absolute pleasure of speaking with Ms. Angela Mooney, the mother of Matt Mooney, who is currently on a two-way contract with the Canton Charge and the Cleveland Cavaliers. But before we do, I want to catch up with my co-host, Steph, and see what's going on. What's good, Steph? How was your week? My week was interesting. I was sick, and, you know, life goes on, but I, and I didn't have coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> but... Everybody I spoke to that could tell I was sick was like, are you okay? You have coronavirus? Let's do our meeting on Zoom. Like, <laughs> literally, like, like avoiding me like the plague. And uh, now my husband's a little bit sick, too. So, it, but we don't have the coronavirus. Oh, it's so sweet that you shared your cold with him. I know. 50-50, <laughs> right? Amen, all the way. So, it always seems to be that today when people sneeze or they cough, I mean, people are running across the streets. And <laughs> the go-to seems to be coronavirus. So. I went to the dollar store yesterday, like the first time out of the house all week, and I had to cough. And I was like, whatever, it's the dollar store. I let it out. And I thought like I was going to get citizens arrested. I just finished my <laughs> shopping, got in line and got out because everybody looked at me like I was, you know, obviously committing a crime, being out in public with what they thought was obviously coronavirus. Of course, you're probably pegged as that customer. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, lady, you can't wait a day to go to the dollar store. They're all watching you touch things. <laughs> Sanitized as soon as I left, like they were spraying everything down already. Yeah. How was your week, Wendy? My week was good. I mean, uh, work, work, and more work. Um, that's just who I am, right? I'm, I'm a workaholic, um, but I actually love what I do, so it's, it's fun. I what mean, do you do? Tell me what you do exactly. I am in the hotel industry. Um, so I'm with people all day long, which right now is not a good thing, but (laughs) (laughs) I should have came to the hotel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's funny because when I speak to my customers, we're we're literally yelling across the lobby because now it's like a 12 foot distance. I keep their six foot and then Wendy gives them an extra six foot. (laughs) Plus you can't read lips, right? So you have no idea what they're saying. Like you don't get that second, like that backup to follow what their lips are saying as well as yeah. trying to hear them. Absolutely. And at the same time, you know, you have to give that that 100% service, right? Because these are essential workers that have to travel or sometimes they're just local people because as we know here in Nova Scotia with the bubble, it's, you know, people from within the Maritimes that are, that are traveling. And um, so to them, they're not, they don't have corona. So they sometimes they feel that they can come right up on my shoulders. And <laughs> Get a little comfortable. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's no comfy here. But... But, you know, I need to keep that, that, that service. I do not want them to really feel, you know what I mean, that, that corona vibe. Because it, it's, it is quite the, the challenging time right now. I mean, where I'm from in Montreal right now, they're on lockdown for 28 days. And that is, like, crazy. That is crazy. 28. My dad's in Moncton, and he was supposed to come for Thanksgiving. And all of a sudden, there was an outbreak in New Brunswick, so he couldn't come. Right. And, uh, you know, we've been really fortunate in the Maritimes. So for them to have an outbreak and get locked down was, uh, I, I was not expecting it whatsoever. So I bought like way too much food 
and uh, wasted yeah. a ton. But and a lot of toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> there isn't a shortage. So that's the cure. <laughs> yeah, that's the cure. Do you remember that when yeah. everybody bought all the toilet paper? Yes, yes. I remember going to Walmart and getting run over for for toilet paper. Remember Costco put a thing yeah. out that said like you can't return toilet paper because people are just buying like obnoxious amounts. Well, my friend showed me a post in the U.S. where it was forty dollars for a pack of toilet paper. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, but it is what it is. But I'm wondering what the coronavirus is going on uh, where Angela lives. So when she comes on, I guess we'll have to ask her and see what's going on. Absolutely. And Angela's ready to join us. Welcome to the show, Angela. So Angie, before you came on, we were just discussing coronavirus and sort of our current situation here in Nova Scotia. We're, We're pretty lucky. We've only got a couple of active cases. Just wondering sort of how it's uh, affecting you currently. Well, so I don't have great concern for it in the sense of my own health. I'm a healthy individual um, and I don't have a lot of fear (laughs) and haven't had any fear really. Um, So it's been a very different, I would say I would have probably a different take than most people. And and I'm in education, so there's lots of controversy in that. The blessing with this for for me in the past five months has been I've had all five kids home for an extended period of time, which hasn't happened in home as in a really long time. like Illinois or home in your home. Yeah, Wakanda. Wakanda. So I had all five home for a very long period of time, and that was like incredible. Oh, wow. Yeah, I have a few you can have. <laughs> <laughs> A, a high food bill, but it was really wonderful. So um, presently, you know, I get to work from home oh, and nice. uh, it's phenomenal. I love working from home. Um, miss some of my colleagues, but, you know, having all that, I, my commute was only about 45 minutes. So it wasn't long, but working from home is wonderful. Yeah. Can so, we ask what you do as a profession? Sure. So I'm a teacher by trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, eighth grade English for 15 years. And then um, I moved into administration a couple years back. I went back for my master's degree in uh, educational leadership and um, chose not to actually take that role on specifically just because at that time um, it was just my youngest daughter and myself home. And I knew that those hours would not be conducive to being um, parent really. (laughs) It was just the two of us. So I did go into administration within um, the building, but not as a principal. So I'm in educational leadership. My actual title is director of communication. So I do a lot of Zooming, um, a lot of podcasts, uh, have a lot of fun with communicating internally within our organization. There's about 120 of us. And then externally, uh, we oversee 40 districts, uh, about 7,000 teachers. So it's that kind of communication with 100,000 students, all of that. So it's a combination of communication. And it's, as you know, in, edu- in communication, That's especially, right. it's, it's ever-changing, um, a lot of fun, very interesting, always new things to try and do. So um, working from home is, it's, it's wonderful. Well, for the education component, if Matt comes on, I'm dying to ask him, what was it like to have a mom as a teacher? <laughs> I, I hope his English, his English scores were through the roof. <laughs> he was a really bright, 
Um, for a long time, I thought he was the brightest of the movies. And then his little sister came along and both girls are high academic students. Okay. So their, their love for athletics was secondary. They were truly, you know, a student athlete, student first, athlete second. The, the Mooney boys didn't get that. They, they, <laughs> student athlete meant athlete first, student second. And yet Matthew had a 4.0 in high school. So he was a good student, but he didn't have to work hard for that. So, <laughs> well, some for, for some kids, it's just natural, right? Yeah, very natural. Yes. Well, we'd like to thank you for coming on our show and sharing your and Matt's story about him becoming a um, professional athlete. And before we start, I just want to know, like, where is he born and raised? Sure. He was born and raised in Wakanda, Illinois. He actually was, um, the hospital was Lake Forest Hospital, and uh, he started his baby years in Mundelein, Illinois, and then... um, when he was in um, preschool, we moved to Wakanda, which is a small little town outside of Chicago, closer actually to Wisconsin. Um, it used to be like it's surrounded by farms and apple orchards on an acre, uh, lots of forest preserves. So in our subdivision, there's about 80 homes and then around us are forest preserves galore. So. Um, kind of a woodsy area. We're not farming people, but um, we love, I, I grew up in Chicago. So coming out here was just so refreshing. Um, I think Matthew would probably say the different, you know, they went to high school in the city almost. And so they loved the city and that feel. And they, I think for a long time, didn't like this, you know, this country like life. And now I think they delight in it because it is so different and unique. So, at what age was basketball introduced to Matt? Oh, so Matthew's dad, who um, is my ex-husband, and we are just not even two years divorced. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were married a really long time. Um, was a basketball um, junkie, um, played basketball, brilliant uh, coach, um, and so early on. I mean, I think they slept with the basketball, you know, the other people had blankies, I think they slept with the basketball. So um, when we moved to Wakanda, we had, um, it's a pretty big home and it's an unfinished basement. So we just made like a big basketball court in the basement. So early on, even preschool, he was playing basketball. He, he played basketball as soon as he could dribble, he Did- was playing did Matt's dad ever coach him, like formally, not necessarily oh, yeah. just train him? And oh, yeah. Did yeah, that have no. a, an impact on the relationship? A, a real positive impact, I would say. I mean, there were certainly, I'm sure Matthew could tell you some rocky times where, you know, he pulled him out of the game and, you know, those kinds of things. But, yeah, I would say Matthew's athletic skills um, definitely um, improved considerably because of his dad's coaching. He's an exceptional coach. I'm just wondering about your little basketball court going on in your basement. I mean, you have five kids and they played basketball. Did you have some games going on down there sometimes? Oh, we had games <laughs> and on the driveway. That Once they got older, that was a little more stressful because, you know, nobody accepted losing. None. <laughs> Especially the girls, eh? 
Oh my God. The girls, like, they just like, didn't even say you could play. They were, they got, you know, they did definitely some rude things to them, but at that point, the girls didn't care, you know, as they got older, they didn't care, but the boys, Oh boy. We, and we had like Matthew's dad, Michael, he would run camps and then sometimes a whole team would like stay at our house for a period of time. And so there was lots of basketball going on for a long period of time on the driveway. Um, a couple broken feet, ankle, <laughs> things like that. Yeah. Cause you know, very physical and there's nobody like roughing or controlling the court. So yes, a lots of basketball pretty much our whole lives. In fact, um, there come fourth, I think it was fourth grade. That's when he stopped playing other sports. I mean, he did try um, football, I think, in, I think in seventh or eighth grade, but for the most part, any other sports he was doing, baseball, soccer, he stopped and uh, asked to play the AAU route which was um, crazy and insane and overwhelming and um, quite challenging because he was one of five. It's not like, you know, I could just leave for the weekend and take him and travel around the world like people do with AAU. So there's a lot of traveling involved in AAU. I mean, traveling, a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's the same thing. I mean, my son at one point, he was traveling every single weekend and I had another son um, who was six years younger and he played football. So, you know what I mean? I was like going to tournaments with Cam, but yet my son, Dre, you know what I mean? He wanted me to be at his football games where he had football games. I mean, it's, it's, it's challenging because as a mom, you want to be at both places. I mean, I wanted to be with Cam and, and a lot of the AAU um, games that we played were always in the U S so it was never an hour away. No, no. Right. Right. (laughs) So, so it was, yeah, it was quite challenging, but at the same time, was it was such a blessing to have, you know what I mean, to look at my son and say, okay, you know, you're able to to progress in this and play at a higher level. And then here I have my other son who's playing a higher level of football, you know, back in Canada. So I completely okay. understand what you're saying about the travel. Sure, sure. So I don't know if I ever looked at it as about their, because, you know, I was so, again, I'm a mom of five and working full time. So Like it was pretty crazy, (laughs) but I I will say um, I saw his love for the game. Mm -hmm. That so that's where my heart went. Okay, he loves it. I I really never thought about like, oh well, if he plays in the NBA, I did. I never even went there. Not that I ever thought he couldn't. Right. It's just it wasn't my thought process. My thought process was he loves the game. He loves his coach. He loves his teammates. Okay, let's see if we can make this work. And so that's why we did what we did. Well, as parents, we, you know, like you said, you have the kids, we have the job, you know what I mean? For us, we're thinking in the moment where as the kids, you know I mean? I'm sure Matt, I mean, looking at his story, I'm sure for him, it was a dream from the onset. Yes. Where for you, it was just like getting him to the game. (laughs) For him, it's getting me to the game so I can get to the league. And, you know, and making sure he had all the things he needed because he was, you know, he is um, absolutely the absent-minded professor. So very bright, but definitely um scattered and i can't tell you how many times because they went to high school 45 minutes from home so we didn't go to the high school local um because um we knew that he had a talent and needed opportunity to grow and we knew he really wanted to play college ball so we, we knew we had to put him in a situation that offered that 
And so he went to uh, an all boys high school, 45 minutes from her home. And so if you forgot something, <laughs> that was challenging to back up the other people and get out there. But we did that many times. In fact, one of his coaches who I still connect with has said, I remember you bringing him his shoes. Oh, just, <laughs> I was just going to say that. Yeah. And I'm like, how do you remember that? He's like, because most people don't forget their shoes. But, you know, they would leave the house, he and Joseph, um, because his oldest brother didn't go there. Daniel went to the the school that was closer it was uh, for the two of them hard because they were, you know, they would get home at sometimes eight o'clock at night, sometimes even as late as eight thirty, and you know to get up at and be out the door between six and six thirty. Um, so it was, you know, if he remembered to, you know, bring his book bag, let alone his shoes, was being pretty <laughs> remarkable first thing in the morning. Angie, when I first found out that we were going to interview you and uh, I looked into Matt's story, I found a lot of parallels in respect to my oldest son. And just hearing you talk right now about how he went to school 45 minutes away from home was something that we did for my oldest as well. His name is Jonah and he's 18. And uh, I was sort of of the mindset that, you know, we're, we're kind of wrapping it up. He's doing his uh, final prep year as a post-grad right now. And uh, just sort of listening to you talk, like, do, do you have any advice for me? Should I, you know, should I be helping him throw in the towel and plan for plan B? Or like, it sounds like Matt didn't have, you know, a hundred NBA offers um, coming right out of the gate, but you guys still pushed forward to, uh, to get him there. Even though Jonah's only 18, you know, what I decide or push him to right now is going to have major impact on what he does in the next two years or three years that will really affect him forever. Sure. Well, I, I can say this, that, um, you know, having an education is plan B, right? And so, and having an education was something you love. So um, that's the one thing that I did encourage my kids when they went to college, in particular, the boys who were doing athletics, make sure it's something you want, not just to get the degree, not independent studies, which I don't have anything against that. And I know a lot of Young college athletes do that. They pick a simple, and I don't mean simple, but a less intensive major so they can focus on their athletics. But I feel like it'd be good to have a plan B because you, even if you do get the opportunity to go on beyond, you might end up doing what you've just studied. So Daniel, our oldest, did business, and he's in sales, and that's his thing. Matthew's heart was entrepreneurship. So he did entrepreneurship and finance, and he is pursuing that even amidst his MBA. Um, And then Joseph, um, you know, I'll never forget, I talked to the coach and the coach's son uh, when he was deciding his major at UC Davis. And the guy's like, do not take anything difficult because it's, I mean, we are gone Wednesday through Sunday. And I said, well, he's going to take something that he has interest in that will take him beyond basketball. So, um, so Joseph chose economics, which was like an incredibly hard major at Davis, as well as traveling, but he has no regrets. And I don't have any, so that would be my piece. Just, so I still always encourage them to follow their dream and have those opportunities and do all that. But I really wanted them to have something just as a backup so that when that time came, because the backup at some point, basketball will end. 
even if you have the MBA opportunity. So what will you do with that? And if you have a, a background in something that you are passionate about, well, then you have that. So um, I didn't discourage the athletics because I felt like keep going. I mean, even Daniel, who kept pursuing it after college for a while there. Oh, by the way, Matthew's texting me. He says he's waiting for the host to let him in. Hey, Matt, Hi. what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Matt. Oh, hey, how you doing? We're good in yourself. I'm doing well. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Is my mom on here? She oh, sure you. is. Hi, honey. Hey. Can you see your mom? Yeah, I can see oh, her. You can see her now? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you for wanting to join us. This is absolutely this is this is different for us, and this is fantastic because it's always good to get like a, a player's perspective as well. Yeah, no problem. My mom asked me anything for my mom. You know, she asked me to do something. I, I, I got to do it. <laughs> okay, so if we edit anything in the show, do not edit that, guys, okay? <laughs> then I'm recording that. Yeah, us too. This is the clip that we're going to show on Instagram every day for like three <laughs> weeks. Yeah. I shouldn't, have said, I shouldn't have said that. Yes, you should have. God bless you, Matt. Don't do yeah. <laughs> You know, Matt, I was um, looking at your story and your story is so similar to my son's. And I just love it because it's it's you talk about determination and and the overwhelmingness of, you know what I mean, becoming a pro player. And I just love your story from start to where you are now. So congratulations, because you never, ever gave up. And that's what I find is is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I look at you and, and like my son, you have to grind. You know, you have some players where it just comes easy and then you have other players that really have to hustle. And you know what I mean? Like you you played every day before your practice, you're on the court. You know what I mean? You do your practice and after practice, you're still on the court. Lights out. And and that's just exactly the same as my as my son. I just want to, you know what, I'm actually happy that you came on because this is good. I mean, we do these shows because we want people to get a perspective um, from um, a player from going from being an amateur to a pro. So this is, and we always ask the moms because that's where the truth comes in. But (laughs) But today we have you, so it's good that we can hear from both of you. So I just want to know, let's talk about your college because I just want people to understand the process. Because a lot of people just think that you just become an NBA player and that's it. And us, the four of us here, we know that that's just not necessarily the case. Not everybody wakes up and they're just in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So you had to start somewhere. So you went to high school and you weren't highly recruited there. You had, um, was it one division, one offer? Yeah, Air Force was my only one. Right. And then I had some division two schools. Uh you know, my dream was always to play Division One. Right. So when I got that offer from Air Force and I didn't have any other Division Ones, you know, I took it. I yeah. jumped on it. Yeah, so I went there and, uh, you know, I loved, I loved the game of basketball. And I wanted – I always just wanted to be as good as I could be and I wanted to play at the highest level possible. And, you know, coming out of high school, that next step was Division One ball. I just wanted to play in front of big crowds and I wanted to just play against the best competition. And I went to air force was my only offer. And, uh, you know, I was just a little frustrated that I couldn't get in the gym as much as I wanted to. And, you know, I kind of realized I should have known going in, but I was naive and, you know, they don't tell you the whole story, but I kind of realized like I can't play professionally after this, you know, I got to serve in the military, which Mm. I was, I was kind of like, okay with, 
Um, but then I kind of, it kind of hit me like, I really want to play pro ball, you know, and I, if I stay here, I won't be able to do that. So that's why I left and tried to pursue my other options. And South Dakota was my next stop. One of a few schools who recruited me after air force, you know, a smaller division one school in the summit league, but we were really good. I sat out a year and that year I was, you know, in the gym morning practice then I go back at night and you know three four times a day and just really motivated to be uh you know to be the be the best player and uh, get the team to the NCAA tournament when when I came back and was able to play and you know the next season we won our conference championship but at the mid-major level if you don't win your conference tournament you don't go to the NCAA tournament right so that's where the NIT comes in so we lost in the conference tournament on a buzzer beater, heartbreaking loss. Um, and we ended up at the NIT. And then after that season, I ended up having double hip surgery. So I was out like the whole summer. Uh, it was really, um, you know, made me realize how much I missed the game and loved the game. And I came back the next season. I had a good season, but we lost again in the conference championship. So, uh, just really two two really good seasons for me personally as a team, but we never I never got to the NCAA tournament. And then after that season, my coach left and went to Utah State and got a job at Utah State. And so I kind of realized, like, all right, maybe um, you know it's time for me to move on as well and try to play at the highest level because I I played well at South Dakota. You know, I scored the ball well and put up big numbers, but um, you know the competition wasn't that as good as playing at a high major school, even like the conference I was at at Air Force. So that's when I decided to grad transfer and go to Texas Tech. And I just, I loved it there because they got it. Like they just cared about winning. They gave me all the resources I needed to be successful. They always had rebounders. They had massage. They had strength coach who was there whenever you want to get a workout in, yoga, you know, film study, like, and uh, I knew that we were going to win. And, you know, we uh, we did just that. We won. And that's what kind of propelled me to get some of the looks I got. But I'm kind of going on. I mean, but, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're coming. <laughs> He's got to go. Right. Well, wait, let me interject. Matthew, the one thing that you didn't mention was that after South Dakota, when he decided to do the grad transfer, I would say that's probably one of the most exciting times, Wendy and Stephanie, in my life. Like, you know, talk about living vicariously through your kids. Absolutely. Because I didn't know that this was like even possible and the recruitment that went on and the phone calls we were getting. And, you know, I'm talking to coaches that I didn't know were famous coaches you know, as I'm driving home from work, who are calling, asking about questions about Matthew, and I'm just chit-chatting with them. And then they're flying out on yeah. the same day to go see Matthew and come to us in snowstorms. Yeah. Like, it was the most exciting, kind of crazy thing. I mean, Archie Miller came over and, you know, we were breaking bread, having tacos for dinner. And then, you know, he's leaving and, you know, and Northwestern coaches are driving around the block waiting for Archie to leave so they could come in and... <laughs> And it was just really, that was fun. That was, I mean, stressful, terribly stressful. I mean, probably way more. Very, very stressful. Well, yeah, because you have to make sure that you make the right decision, right? And and you can only go right. by what they say. 
Everybody's right. going to offer you the stars and the moon. And yeah, don't worry, you're going to play and you're going to do this. And then when you get there, you're riding pine, right? So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is you had, to make, you had to make sure it's the right decision for that right. last year. Yeah. yeah. Like your son, like, you know, I was trying to play professionally. I was trying to play, set myself up to have a, have a great opportunity at the next level after college and you go somewhere and don't play, your stock just completely drops. That's right. So that's why it was tough. But yeah, it was stressful. Definitely a different process from high school to having a couple of schools calling to trying to figure out where to play my last year. A much different process. I love the fact that you recognized as a player that, because I'm looking at you and you, you played three different colleges, but when a player moves from one school to the next, most of the time it's because they know they need to be somewhere different to achieve their goal. I mean, when you're playing for a particular school, they position you to play for them. They don't position you to play for their, your future, right? They don't care about the fact that you want to get to the NBA. They're just like, listen, your role is this and this is what I need. And as a player, you're right. like, no, you know what? No, this is great, but in order for Matt to get to the pros, I got to go somewhere else and just live my dream. So good for you, because a lot of players just sit there and they just ride along, hoping that maybe he'll recognize that I just want to play and he'll put me where I think I fit. And that's usually not the case. Years go by, and like you said, the offers just don't come in because you're not you're not being seen as you know what I mean for your talent, the the true talent that you really have that you never can get on the court and show. Right. No, and something I really realize is that with team success comes individual success. And the more we won, um, you know, my numbers weren't nearly as high as they were at South Dakota. But, you know, the more, uh, you know, I was able to get seen and get exposure and like that's scouts, scouts look at that stuff. So like players are always worried about their individual stats. But if you're not winning, it's not going to help you very much. I have a okay. I just want to know. I want to ask about um, moving forward just a bit. Um, but draft night, I just want to quickly ask you about the process because by this point, I'm sure you had an agent by then. Now, yeah. So, what was yeah. that process um, with you and your mom? Like, wh- how did you guys choose the right agent for your family? The, that person that's really going to represent. Um, like Angie, who, like, how did you decide, you know what, I, I think this person is the best person or this company is the best company to represent my son moving forward now that you know that his, he really is trying to get to the league. Yeah, you know, I got lucky. You know, I don't think many people thought I would make it to the NBA or get drafted. And, uh, you know, I didn't get drafted. But in terms of the agent process, you know, I got a very good agent um, who represents a lot of NBA guys. And, you know, I uh, when I was in South Dakota, I was working out with a guy named Kirk Heinrich. Played for the Bulls, and um, you know, he after his career, he moved to South Dakota. I don't, you know, you have to ask him why. You know, not a lot of whole, not a whole lot of people move to South Dakota in freezing cold. <laughs> I know you, yeah. him, and my son. Like, really? <laughs> yeah, that's about it. <laughs> um, but he moved. He moved out there, and I was working out with him, and his. His agent, uh, Chris Emmons, is my agent now, but his agent represented this Dante DiVincenzo who plays for the Bucks, and they had sent DiVincenzo out there to work out with Heinrich, and Heinrich hit me up and was like, hey, come get some workouts in with DiVincenzo. DiVincenzo was preparing for the draft. So I went out there, and I was working out with DiVincenzo, and uh, we ended up competing a little bit, and, you know, me and him were going at it, and, you know, I was had a good workout, and 
Kirk's agent ended up asking, like, who's this kid? You know, where's this kid from? And, you know, I was in South Dakota. So then he just ended up keeping an eye on me. And uh, he had a good relationship with the coaches at Tech. So when I finished up at Tech, I was hoping that Chris was going to represent me, but I didn't really know. And then uh, he said he would. And then I asked Coach Beard about it. And Coach Beard's like, hey, you would be an idiot not to sign with Chris um, because he's a good agent. So I just ended it kind of fell in my lap. And, uh, you know, just that connection to Kirk Heinrich and just stayed in touch. And, you know, Coach Beard recommended him. So I just ended up going with him. But then on draft night, you know, my agent, they did a good job. They got me like 12 NBA workouts, mm-hmm. pre-draft workouts. Um, and I did well throughout that process. But as a fifth-year guy, an older guy who – the NBA draft is more about potential and you know I'm a guy they see as probably like a solid a solid player but I'm not a young guy who's got all this upside and teams are super excited about so I knew if I got drafted be second round late second round and I'm kind of like more of like a sure pick like hey we know what this guy's going to give us um my agent told me maybe 51 or 52 Indiana and Charlotte but they end up not drafting. And then after that, it's like, okay, now we got to figure out where do I go for summer league. Right. And um, did you guys a have a plan story. in place just in case you didn't get drafted? Yeah. The, the plan was to go with wherever they thought I would get the most playing time in summer league. Because then after summer league is where you're trying to either get, you know, uh, training camp deal with an NBA team or the best offer you can overseas. And if you go to a summer league team where you don't play, then you're probably not going to get picked up for NBA training camp because mm-hmm. they're going to be like, well, why did this guy play in summer league? So I went to summer league with Atlanta yeah. and they told me, they're like, look, you got about a minute to decide this. They called me and they're like, Hey, we think we should go with Atlanta for summer league. It's either Atlanta or San Antonio or, can't remember the other one, but they're like, we think Atlanta is the best situation for you. Uh, they only have one other point guard. You're going to play a lot, this and that. And I was just like, I was like, okay, pull the trigger. They're like, we need to, we need to pull this trigger in, in less than a minute or a minute. So it's like, it's like, okay, yeah, I trust you guys know what you're doing. Let's go to Atlanta. And it worked out good because I went to Atlanta, played like 20 minutes a game in the summer league and played pretty good, good enough to where after that, uh, Atlanta didn't really want me as bad as some other teams like Memphis, you know, was, was on me hard to get me to training camp. And, uh, that's where we ended up going and everything. It, it, there were so many things that fell in place and, you know, everything happens for a reason. And definitely there was, a um, you know, God was looking out for me with my journey and where I went along the way, uh, worked out perfectly for me. So you ended up playing, um, at the Memphis, uh, with the Memphis Hustle, correct? In the G League? Correct, correct, yep. So, Angie, what was that like with your baby going now to Memphis? Like, he's <laughs> just going all over the place. Like, what was that like for you as a mom, having to let him go and say, listen, Matt, go live your dream? I was excited for him. You know, going back when you asked that question about um, agent and all that, you know, Matthew was older. You know, it wasn't like he was an 18-year-old. Right. At that time, you know, and he was very he's very strong-willed and very independent and i i recognize that he knew way more than i knew about all of this and so 
I'll be honest, I wasn't really involved in a lot of that. I mean, I probably would have liked to have been a little involved, but I trusted that he um, would make the best decision that was best for his career. And so I was very involved in the, uh, when he was going for uh, grad school, that was really exciting. So I got to travel to, you know, to Creighton with them. We went to Northwestern and I got to go with them to Texas Tech. So that part was wonderful, but the agent part that was more on his own. Um, when he went to Memphis, I was just so happy that he had the opportunity again, that he keeps pursuing. Um, draft night felt a little disappointing, but I will say then at the same time, you know, as Matthew said, I knew God had a plan. So maybe it was best that he didn't get what we thought because he knows better than we do. And so, and here he is, you know, so, um, it was exciting and went to some of those games, um, Tried to get to whatever I could. So um, most exciting was his first game with Cleveland. That was really fun. Not that I want to fast forward to that, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, we will. <laughs> you know, we always ask um, the moms what kind of support um, they give their sons. But now we're blessed with a player. We can ask that. Matt, as a player, what kind of support were you able to get from your mom? Yeah, my mom. uh she supported me all along. She, you know, even when I play bad, she's like, oh, you played so good. I'm so proud of you, you know, that type of thing. So she's always, she's always been there supporting. Um, you know, she's the one I can talk to that's always positive. Uh, even when I'm down after a bad game or a loss, you know, always positive. And, um, you know, I appreciate that from, from her. Thanks, Mom. But, uh, yeah, she's she's been supportive all along. She never. She's not a big sports person. I don't know if you can tell from talking to her. She she just supports. <laughs> she supported me, and um, you know it was great to have her. Uh, you know, throughout this entire process, um, just always being there for me. Well, of course. I, I mean, we're moms, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Matthew, they asked me in the beginning about like you know your your load, and I did talk at length about how. Um, you are where you are basketball wise, athletically, because of dad and his coaching and, and that he was without a doubt, you know, an inspiration and, and a great teacher and a great coach for you. And as a result, you know, you worked your heart, but um, you excelled as a result. Yeah. My dad was the, uh, he, he was the guy that was um, kind of crazy in a lot of ways, pushing me, motivating me as a kid. And he worked with me a lot. He actually, my dad lives in Cleveland now. And um, it was kind of uh, crazy that when I got signed by Cleveland, he's here and lives here. So I've been able to see him. And it's not too far from my mom, too, because it's only about a five or six hour drive from, from her out in the Chicago area. But my mom was always the supportive role. My dad was the the guy, if I played a bad game, you know, he wouldn't talk to me or he'd be yelling at me and my mom would be there kind of playing in between being like, Hey, you did good. You know, don't worry about it. You, you'll get them next time type of thing. <laughs> she was the loving, supportive, supportive mom. And she wasn't crazy either in the stands. She wasn't like a crazy lady in the stands. She was just, uh, I don't know. I mean, she was just cheering for me, but she wasn't like nuts, you know? Oh my goodness, Andrew, you no. can't come to a game with me. 
know I was Matthew's mom. Because I, I don't wear the jersey. Yeah. I mean, I would wear the color, but not, yeah. Yeah, no, I would rather blend into the woodwork for that. She was, she was pretty low-key. She was low-key. Yeah, well, my family, no, we were very loud. I mean, yeah. <laughs> they knew, they knew, and if we were like, at a, you know what I mean, playing, <laughs> if it wasn't a away game, didn't matter, they knew we were there. They knew. <laughs> and there my best go. friend, she would have chem shirts. <laughs> he used to get so bad. He's like, really, guys, really? <laughs> well, I will say at the final four, um, our cousins, um, took a picture of Matthew and put it on the shirt. And so there were probably 20 because we had almost 70 people at the final four. Mm -hmm. Um, And they had a picture, it was a red shirt, like, you know, Texas tech. And it had a huge picture of Matthew. I didn't wear it, but um, but it was was so funny. (laughs) It was so funny. It was a ridiculous, just picture of my face on a red shirt. (laughs) Love it. That's funny, though. (laughs) So what were your expectations when you were with the Memphis Grizzlies and the Memphis Hustle? Let's talk about that a bit. Well, when I was in Memphis in training camp, I just was trying to make the team. I knew it was a long shot for me to make the team. You know, I had signed a training camp deal. And then if I got waived, I would play G League. So I knew the plan was for me to play in the G League. But, you know, my mindset was try to get an NBA contract and try to beat somebody out. Um, and I played well in, in training camp, but then I got waived and got sent to the G league. So then after that, it was like, all right, um, you know, make the most out of this next opportunity and try to get better every day, figure out what it is you got to do to get to the NBA and to cross over from G league to NBA. And, uh, you know, the G League's good ball. I mean, a lot of really talented mm-hmm. guys, like your son knows, a lot of really mm-hmm. talented players down there in the G League. But I just tried to figure out what I needed to do to get to the NBA. And, um, you know, I had to get better as a point guard. In college, I didn't play a whole lot of true point guard. I was more of like point guard slash shooting guard. So I had to get really learn how to be a point guard and run the team and run the show and, um, you know, get downhill to the rim attack so uh but that situation in memphis was good for me because they were invested in me and when i went down to the g league i started and played a lot and you can't really get better unless you get more experience so my agent again made a good decision sending me to memphis for training camp play the g league there because it gave me a lot of opportunity Angie, how do you think he transitioned um, between NBA, G League? Like, how did you feel that he transitioned through that? You know, he the one of Matthew's great strengths. Why are you laughing already, Matthew, before I even speak? <laughs> I think one of, not athletically, you know, I think because Matthew is humble and grateful, I think he, he continued to be determined Um to do what he wanted to do. I mean, that was always his dream. And so, um, you know, when he had the opportunity to play in the tournament and then that just catapulted into all those other opportunities, I think he's transitioned incredibly well. Um, really grateful for what he has. He just has been in the bubble for two weeks with Cleveland and mm-hmm. has had all that time with the teammates. I always ask him, you know, what's that? what was that like? Who's the nicest 
Um, who loves God? <laughs> you know, those kinds of questions. But um, I think he's doing great. I think um, he's going to continue having tremendous success because of his attitude, um, determination, hard work, all the things that are just still um, the core of who he is. So, Matt, let's talk about the Cleveland Cavaliers. We'll talk about the Cavs, then I'll let you guys talk to my mom. i got to hop off in a few minutes, okay? All right. So let's talk about the process and that offer you got. How did it happen? You got a call. Like, what happened? Your agent called you. How'd you end up on the Cavs? Yeah, no, it was very exciting. So I was uh, I was in Memphis, and I was on my way to the uh, Grizzlies game. They gave us tickets. Being in the G League, they gave us tickets to the games. Grizzlies were playing the Rockets. I was walking to the game. My agent called me, and the first thing he said, he's like, hey, hey, Matt. He's like, he's like, I regret to inform you you're no longer with the Memphis Hustle. And in my head, I'm like, regret to inform me? I'm thinking bad news, right? And he's like, pack your bags. You're going to Cleveland. You got a two-way contract with the Cavaliers. So wow. I, just, I remember sitting there. <laughs> I remember sitting there uh, walking and I just sat down on the sidewalk on, uh, you know, on the street in Memphis and uh, just kind of leaned back on the ground, like just smiling, you know, filled with joy and uh, got off the phone with him. And, you know, he, I had to leave in the morning. It was like eight o'clock at night, seven, eight o'clock. And I had to leave at like 6 a.m. I had to be at the airport by, by seven or so for a flight. So I had to pack up but all I could think about in the moment was just calling you know calling my family calling people that have worked with me you know I've worked my whole life to get an NBA contract and sometimes you get to the point where like you don't know if it's ever really going to happen or not right you're in the G League and you know I bounced around college to college you don't get drafted and to get that call now it's a two-way contract not an NBA contract full-time but it's a two-way contract which is it's that next step right and that's what I wanted and, uh, man, I mean, yeah, just pure joy in that moment. So pack my bags, flew to Cleveland the next day. Well, we're happy for you. Um, Thank you. Proud of you. You know what? You, you stuck through it. And, and you. you know, you, you stuck through your faith. Yeah. I, I always say, and I probably say this every episode, but, you know what I mean? I always quote, no weapons formed against us shall prosper. So good for you. Amen. You know what I mean? Like you just gotta you gotta hold strong, and that's exactly what you did. So keep your faith, because faith is everything, and you will you will continue to play somewhere. It Thank don't you. matter where. You know what I mean? You just keep living your dream, and 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 just just speak it into existence, and it's gonna stay there. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Great advice. I I'm confident. You know, I played well in the bubble we had here in Cleveland. Uh, you know, as your son probably knows, it's all about opportunity. So. Yeah. I'm I'm hoping I get more opportunity. The Cavs give me some more opportunity, and I can prove myself. And um, but if but if not, I keep on working. And you know, I play the game because I love it. So uh, let's keep on playing till till that love goes away. Maybe it won't. My body will probably break down before that. <laughs> the love is never going to go away. Matt, can, yeah. can I ask you one more question before you hop off? So I've, yeah, sure. I've got three kids, um, none of which are in the NBA yet, so I'm uh, not quite uh, NBA mom status, hopefully someday. But um, someday. one of them's 18, and I'm, I'm an accountant. I'm, I have an analytical mind. So I've really started to take the route, like, 
what's plan B? What's plan B? So he loves ball. Like he's, he's, you know, he's only six feet tall. He works hard. He, he probably has a harder work ethic than anybody I've ever met in my life. Um, but I go okay. back to, there's only 450 jobs in the NBA and seven point something billion people in the world. You know, what are yep. the odds that one's going to be you? So that's my thought process It's not necessarily how I deliver it to him, but I think, you know, he's smart enough to know where, where I'm going with it. Am I messing up as a mom or should I, should I let him chase the dream a little longer before I hit him with the hard hand and say like, man, it's, it's time to throw it in. Yeah. It's tough because I don't really know your son. I don't know how good he is, but I'm a big believer in uh, not having a plan B um, because it distracts from plan A. And I think you have a plan B when it gets to that point. I mean, my dream was always NBA and, you know, like even going through the, I'll give you an example, like in the pre-draft process, I was working out with all these NBA teams and, uh, you know, they give you a bunch of gear. Every workout you get a bunch of gear. And I was giving all my gear away. And my dad was saying like, Hey, you know, why don't you just hold on to that gear? And I was like, well, if I hold on to this gear, that's me thinking I'm not going to play in the NBA one day. And when I play in the NBA, I'll get a bunch of gear for the team that I play for. And then I can give gear away. You know, if I hold on to it, it's kind of like a thing like, oh, it's I get to tell people I've worked out for Indiana. I worked out for Chicago. I got all this gear and I wear it. But that then I think internally, I don't believe that I'm going to play in the NBA one day. So I think you got to, you know, pursue your dream. I'm a, I'm a big believer in this. What I tell kids like pursue your dreams with everything you got, like literally everything you got. And sometimes you don't accomplish those dreams and then your dreams change and shift to something else. But for right now, I'd say go after it with everything he's got. Well, he'll Sorry. be happy to hear that you said that. <laughs> okay. Matt, we want to thank you so much. Really, we really appreciate you uh, coming on and finding some time to talk about your dream. It's so important. It really, really is. I mean, we want people to understand, you know what I mean, what the process is and and how you get to where you're at. And yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. And thank you. I, lo- I love what you guys are doing. You know, mm-hmm. ask my mom some more questions. She could talk to you guys forever. All right? <laughs> <laughs> no problem, Matt. Thank you. Thank and you. Okay. be safe. Yeah, thank you. Good luck to both your sons and your kids. And um, hope this podcast continues to excel. Well, thank, thank you. you. Don't forget to like and share. Okay. <laughs> Bye, Matt. He does a lot of, um, because I'm in education and I work a lot with at-risk youth. Mm-hmm. So um, if I have a student that's really into basketball, I will text him and say, are you available for a quick FaceTime? I mean, he does that all the time for me. And in the beginning of the pandemic, I reached out to him and then several of his buddies that are in semi-pro G League. And they did a lot of videos that went out to all our students. It was fabulous. So he does do a lot of that motivational piece that I think is um, really important. And I think because of his story being one that was so tumultuous, you know, there was no like, oh, yeah, he's got it. I mean, he wasn't the number one draft pick, you know, like as you stated, he only had one division one offer. I think that's brings such hope to so many kids. Yeah. Um, and he was the kid that worked out extreme. 
In fact, his high school coach called me one day and was like yelling at me. Like when he's on his way home from school at eight o'clock at night afterwards, he cannot stop at the gym because we have a we had a school that we had a key to the gym, a grade school that his siblings went to. And Matthew sometimes would stop there if he didn't have a good practice that day. So now he wasn't getting home till 10 o'clock at night. And he called me yelling at me, like, do not let him stop at the gym. So I thought, so yeah, that's a kid who, um, I mean, for four years in high school, he didn't party. He didn't, he, he didn't drink. He hardly dated, didn't go to prom um, all because, you know, he was so focused on his dream. He didn't want to lose sight of that. He did not want to lose sight of it. Yeah, I was I was watching um, something where he was saying that. He was saying, you know, I got to college and, you know, I wanted to hang out with my friends, but I made that conscious decision um, to not do, not to go to parties, not to hang out all the time, not to stay out late because he understood um, that that meant getting up late the next morning, missing a practice, missing a workout, or, you know what I mean, laying in bed all day. And he was really true to himself from the beginning. Yes, yes. How yeah. proud are you? You know, I'm, I will tell you, the thing I'm most proud about is that he's still keeping God at the center. That's the piece. That's the piece that I just, you know, I, I continue to pray that stays his number one. Um, because if God's at the center, regardless of his success athletically, he'll he'll be successful. So um, uh, I'm really proud of him. I think he's doing a great job. I'm really happy for him, all the good things he's doing. Um, and he's very intentional about um, giving back. Um, when he was, while well, he's in Cleveland, he, he met a group of kids that were um, staying in a hotel or near a hotel. I never really got the details near where his dad was living. And before you know it, you know, I called him one Sunday and he's on his way to an AAU game. He's on a way mini golfing with these kids of all, you know, backgrounds, mostly uh, underserved kids. And so I think it was probably, you know, <laughs> pretty cool for them to be hanging out with Matthews, but whose heart was, just the way um, it was as if he was just a regular basketball player, or just a regular person. So he's not thinking he's above the rest and all of that. So, but that's, that's the thing. That's the thing. He is a regular person. And a lot of people don't get that. You know what I mean? They're, they're players, but they're still regular people. You know what I yeah. mean? So, and, and he is that role model to a lot of kids. So speaking of giving back, he did um, host a basketball camp. Mm-hmm. What was that like for him? You know, um, pretty awesome. His brother um, went, Joseph, and helped um, helped him. And Joseph said, came back and he goes, he's famous. <laughs> but, you know, it's at Texas Tech. I mean, that's his alma mater. So, um, again, you know, he made it financially cost effective for the families um, and then brought in like Jared Culver went in, you know, um, a couple other guys from tech. And uh, I think it's a really great experience. He makes some money, but it feels great, great connections. And he has a blast. He loves it. Exhausting though. His sister went there and helped too. So, I mean, it was great. I would have gone It just, you know, it was so last minute because of COVID, it was on and off again kind of thing. And um, it just didn't work out. But yeah, when he did one back here, um, I think it was when he was in South Dakota. 
it, it, I helped them here, but I haven't helped them at tax. I haven't been there for those, but those look like a blast. Have you attended a game, um, a Cavs game? Yes. Yes. So I was at his, um, he had four games. I was at two of the four, I think. Um, his first one, um, he had called me on Saturday and said, um, I'm playing Monday. And uh, he was beside himself. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm coming. And he said, okay, great. You know, it was that excited thing. So um, my my dad, who's 87, no, 88 now, um, he and I traveled all the games together. Um, and so I called him to tell him I didn't think he he's, you know, being 88, he's not a, okay, put me on a flight tomorrow because yeah. that's what we would have had to do, right? And uh, I said, dad, I know you probably aren't going to be able to go. And um, it's two last minute, but I'm going to go. You're more than welcome. He said, no, 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 you know. So I hung up with him. And of course, moments later, I'm on the computer trying to get a flight. And he calls me back 30 seconds later and said, I'm in. So my dad <laughs> and I went. And then another friend of ours, um, Dewan Wells, and um, he does uh, he does an AAU program out here called Limitless. Great guy. Good friend of Matthew's. He came as well. And uh, Michael uh, Matthew's dad, Michael, was there. And then some other friends were there. Um, it was the most um, kind of surreal, you know, like it was a very different feeling for me than it was the, the tournament, you know, the final four was the most stressful moment of my life. And I wasn't playing. This was not so much stressful as it was so exciting. And I was just, I cannot tell you how much I was thanking God, like constantly all night, whether he got in for four minutes or 24 minutes, it was just, you know, he was wearing the Jersey. He was sitting on the bench. I could see him. Um, and, you know, as a parent of a player, you get all the bells and whistles, which is pretty awesome and the nice food and all yeah. of that. And pretty awesome. Um, and Dewan, our friend, we had, I had said, you know, if he's in, cause you don't know if he's going to get in, if he gets in, you be, um, you be photo, I'll be video. You know, we hit it great. And then all of a sudden we saw him, you know, derobe and get go over by the bench. And I screamed and Dwan and my dad was like, oh, you know, we're all like screaming. I'm like, I'm going down there. Not even like really thinking because you can't just. Run. <laughs> I'm going down there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it was ridiculous. Like afterwards I thought, what was that? You know, the security guard probably said, what is this crazy lady doing? I was running That's toward so the, and with my phone because I'm like, oh, I got to get close up pictures. Like, like I'm not going to be able to get any pictures of it. Right. And um, he's like, what are you doing? And and it was like two minutes left of the game. Most people aren't running to go to the court, you know, two minutes left of the game and we're getting killed. And I said, my son's going in. And he said, who's your son? And I said, he goes, and he literally escorted me. I sat in the really cushy front row chairs right on the floor. Side. Yeah. yeah. Now, the problem was I could hardly take any pictures because I'm crying. So I was like, <laughs> you know, I was blurry, my hands moving. Um, that was really an exciting moment. I, I, I was so happy for him. Like, that's, you know, as we talked about, you know, what the what we want for our kids. It's just for them to really reach their full potential and have their dreams it, because of all of his hard work come to fruition. And so it did. And uh, that was really amazing. Uh, uh, amazing. And then when he played the bowls, uh, which was the night before COVID and everything shut mm-hmm. down, 
he was in Chicago. So we had a whole group there and that was so fun and exciting. And he got in like 10 minutes of that game. So that was really awesome. I forgot to ask him when he was on um, about what he's learning now that he's a Cav. I mean, he's playing amongst Andre Drummond and Tristan Thompson. I mean, these players are, you know, I mean, they're they're good players. And it, I, I wanted to know, or does he ever talk to you about that, about what it's like to play with these players? Yeah, you know, um, yeah, I haven't really asked him about the learning part. I ask him more about the, you know, I'm all about the what's their heart like, who are they like. Uh, you know, the fellowship. Um, yeah. They, yeah. And so um, he tells a story. Um, who's the guy? Nance. Mm-hmm. Um, he tells the story of the game, the first game that he played at, at Cleveland. He had gone into the locker room and uh, came in. And of course, there's not a lot of excitement because they just got killed. And um, coach said to Matthew something like, um, well, one good thing is Mooney got his first bucket and something else. I mean, I don't really remember exactly what he did. He, he got a basket and he got something else. I think he got a block maybe or something. I don't know. So um, <laughs> it's amazing that I've been on 5,000 bazillion basketball courts and I don't, I can't really talk basketball. So <laughs> I don't know. So we got to edit that out. So, um, I two master's degrees, and I cannot talk about basketball. I, I don't. I should have studied more, uh, maybe more basketball. But Larry Nance um, said, "Mooney, this was your first bucket," and he said, "Yeah." He left the locker room and came back with the ball and gave him the basketball. So That's I awesome. think there's. So I love hearing those kinds of stories. Like, who's who's the nicest guy? Who's who acknowledges your presence, not because you're Matthew Mooney, but because you're low man on the totem pole and you're not, you're, you know, you're not invisible. Right. And so he has lots of really positive stories to say about players and the coaches and all of that. So, um, but I haven't really asked him about the learning aspect. Um, but maybe if, if we ever do it again, we can ask him because he'd probably tell you, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I'm curious because I was watching a lot of things on on Matthew and he was um who I called him Matthew and he, <laughs> and he was talking a lot yeah yeah and he was talking a lot about the pressure of um you know from beginning to end and being um I guess the overwhelmingness of becoming an NBA player um and it reminded me a lot of my son too because a lot of players they they're so hard on themselves and they go through this depression because they have these high expectancies on themselves and then when they don't get chosen for you know I mean to play or whatever it's it's really really hard on them so how did how did you support him you know mentally to make sure that he's like on the straight and narrow well you know i think um the faith piece is huge right you know, if you really believe that God's going to, he's going to, he's going to use you in the best possible way. Yeah. And that's what I would constantly say, because I really believe that it's not like I just say it and hope that it's coming, it's going to happen. I mean, I really believe that um, if Matthew's got a story to tell, which I believe he does, God will use him to tell that story. So, um, you know, Matthew's maturity has grown exponentially of course, through all of this, but just aging, right? You know, in high school, if he lost, you know, he was non-communicative mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. hours and then sometimes days. I mean, it, he really beat himself up. And um, 
occasionally, you know, I would say, well, maybe, you know, you weren't supposed to win that game. Maybe there's something behind that, which, you know, most kids who lose don't want to hear that. But I will say that, um, yeah, I am, you know, not Pollyanna, but I, I really have a lot of optimism and hope um, that if you're meant to have those opportunities, they'll come to you. So keep doing your thing. And he kept doing his thing. Um, you know, he was the optimist the night of that draft and he didn't get drafted, you know, because I don't know what, you know, I don't know what you don't know. And I didn't know any better, but it was almost better that he didn't get drafted. Um, and that's what his agent had shared with him. Like there's yeah. another plan here. One might be better. So, and Matthew even said that. So that's, so he has some of that innately in him to, to look at the glass half full instead of half empty. Right. And so, you know, having four games with uh, the Cavs under his belt was great and sh- certainly would have been ideal if he would have had the rest of the season um, to really show his abilities. But he's pretty, he's, I think he's in the positive and the fact that, you know, during the bubble time, he was with them and he could have been with the G League, but they put him with the Cavs. So he was in that whole time practicing, training, um, and socializing. I mean, they ate together. I think they did some kind of social things. They couldn't do much. But so um, I don't know if I'm answering your question. I don't know if I even responded specifically to what you're asking. But it does. You okay. know, I I believe I'm a firm believer that God sees you through everything. And this morning I was reading my devotional and the scripture popped up and I thought of Matt and I wrote it down for you. And I, I wanted to tell you. So hold on. Let me pick it up. It is be on guard, stand firm in faith, be courageous, be strong. It's 1 Corinthians 16, 13. I read that this morning and I thought of him because, like I was saying before, he's a man of determination. Yes, he is. Yeah. Well, um, Deuteronomy 31, 8, and then maybe, I don't know what the other one is, another 31, 8. Um, both are, that's the name of his foundation. Foundation is, his foundation at Texas Tech is called Foundation 31, 8. Oh. After and he put that on his shoe um, when he was playing in that, you know, that final four game because that was so, like, you know, like crazy, 70,000 people and, you know, a national game. Uh, he put Be Strong and Courageous on his shoe. It, it, it was the, the scripture that popped into his head as he prayed before the game. Wow. So I say that is a piece Um that is um, who he is. So the last question that I always ask um, all the awesome mothers that come on the show is what advice uh, would you give to another mom of an up and coming amateur player? I would say that yeah. that constant support, but true belief that um, that they will have the success. And so it's genuine, it's authentic and just be tremendously supportive, even if it's not. I mean, like I said, I, I was so disappointed that he didn't get drafted, and he was the one who's like, no, no, this could be good. And so that just encouragement. Thank you so, so, so much for coming on Courtside Mom. We really appreciate uh, a lot of the things that we learned from you today, and and we appreciate 
your son coming on and wanting to come on and share his experience um, because all this information is, you know what I mean, heard by amateur players and their parents and it's interviews like this that help them get their kids to the next step and the next level. So thank you so much. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, This was fun and exciting. It was great. Great opportunity. Thank you so much. Join me and Steph every week on Courtside Moms, where you get a courtside seat outside of the arena. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe and listen for free on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts.